0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by www.livinglives.wordpress.com, GTC Honored, and The Garfield Firm, serving all 50 states with news and analysis,
1: and this is Thursday, August 13th, 2015. For those of you who had any technological problems getting in on your calls, I see you're making up for lost time. I apologize. Uh, We're having severe storms here, and perhaps wherever blog talk radio originates as well. Tonight we have a really exciting show because it is about monkey math. That's monkey, like the animal, and math, like in arithmetic, with Donna Huffman, an attorney in Kansas who has been giving City Mortgage, among others, a really hard time. She joins us tonight, and we're lucky to have her on this show. By the way, she is available as an expert witness anywhere, not just in Kansas. We'll talk about the fact that the accounting and entries on the records of alleged servicers are all wrong and can't be reconciled. I found myself that exactly that in a trial last January where the witness for SPS sat there for 13 minutes in silence studying the records SPS had put into evidence and couldn't come up with an answer from the judge a very simple question. When was the default date? He gave it Eventually, he gave four different answers, one of which actually coincided exactly with the statement of the homeowner who showed that she had made all her payments and was never in default. And then we saw a default letter in that case that demanded an amount for reinstatement that didn't match the monthly payments or anything else and couldn't be reconciled by the witness or even the attorneys there who were desperately struggling to save their case. Donna Huffman can provide litigation support for those attorneys who have not studied the subject like she has. Her background in the mortgage business makes her a uniquely qualified person to talk about and testify on the subject of accounting and misrepresentations of the banks and services. I'm broadcasting live from Broward County, Florida, brought to you by the Living Lives blog, GTC Honors, AMGAR, and The Garfield Firm with offices in South Florida. And this show is specially brought to you because of donations to the Living Lies blog from listeners like you. Thank you. And for those of you who are not contributors, we ask that you call 954-495-9867 and pledge whatever you think you can afford or go to our goods and services link on the blog and you can sign up there, and on the West Coast, you can dial 520-405-1688, and for our friends at the foreclosure mills, who are busy foreclosing on everybody, and who are listening to this show, no contribution is required, just recognize the error of your ways and give it up, we'll be happy with that. Living Lies with 10.5 million visits is the number one place on the Internet to get information, forms, facts, and opinions from a variety of sources on foreclosure defense, consumer loans, and even student loans. Our mission is to share as much information as we can to help beleaguered homeowners and other consumers who may not be aware of the effect the housing crisis has had. And we are accomplishing our mission here as more and more judges are seeing that the facts are not as they appear on the papers that are being used by banks, trustees, and servicers to foreclose. And for the judges that don't get it, the U.S. Supreme Court has stepped in on rescission and explained it to them. The trial judge may not interpret a statute that is clear on its face. I'm getting calls now, continuing to get calls from people I haven't heard from in years telling me how right I was in 2007 and how all the courts got it wrong, just like I said. Big deal. How does that help? Nearly 18 million people displaced by banks, services, and trustees who in large part had no right to do it. Donna Huffman is an attorney with in-depth personal experience in the mortgage markets. Donna, welcome to our show.
2: Thanks for having me, Neil.
1: Donna, tell us a little bit about your background and how you made the switch from mortgage banking to fighting foreclosures.
2: Well, I think that it all started... Uh, when I started having to keep files of generally bad acts from the mortgage companies that I was selling loans to. Um, I wasn't one of those operators, and I had been invited by our board here in Kansas to actually go to D.C. and lobby for more regulation to try and keep some of these things from happening. So in 2004, after... Being in mortgage uh, origination and having my own mortgage company for about 15 years, I applied at law school and my entrance exam or my entrance letter actually predicted exactly what you and I have been experiencing now. So I've been helping people um, fight to stay in their homes, and I actually ended up closing my own mortgage company in 2012.
1: And now you're fighting foreclosures. I am. One of the things that, well, two things interest me about the work that I know you've been doing so far, and one of them has to do with the very dry subject of accounting, and the other has to be uh, has to do with the very specific subject of city mortgage. What can you tell us about accounting issues and how they can be used in connection with foreclosure defense?
2: Well. The first thing I would say about accounting issues is that it doesn't need to be someone in default that can experience these issues, which actually creates an imminent default. Um, My example there would be some clients that I represent uh, right now in a case where they were actually on auto payment. And not only were they on auto payment every month, they had agreed with the lender because they wanted to pay down uh, their principal faster to actually pledge every month and did pay additional principal. And these individuals, after having a loan for 35 months and never being late, ended up with hundreds of dollars in late charges thousands of dollars in interest overcharges, and somehow, after 35 months of perfect payments, they were reported to be over $4,000 behind you.
1: So you're saying that not only were they current in the payments that were expected from them, but they had actually overpaid intentionally in order to retire their mortgage early
2: absolutely they were on a seven-year plan and they were scheduled to pay off and they did everything right and amazingly um they had to refinance to get away from the mortgage company but by the time that they realized they needed to refinance to get away Um, You know, it could have been too late. I see that a lot because then the mortgage company will start reporting their lateness and a new company won't take them and they just go down that Um, hill slide. It's just devastating. These people had some of the best credit I had ever seen and were getting letters stating that they were in default and, you know, the initial threat of foreclosure was looming over their head and they didn't know what to do. What
1: does a homeowner do in, in, in a situation where he starts or he or she or they start getting these statements with figures pulled out of the air, which I have seen in almost every case that I've handled.
2: Yeah, this isn't a unique situation from my experience either, Neil. Um, the real scary thing here, which I think hurt your interest in this situation is that now we know the mortgage statements don't match the accounting at the mortgage firm and don't match the easier to read mortgage history that was presented as a quote penned audit later determined not to be an audit at all so what we have found now by comparing four different sets of transactions we realize that sometime after the mortgage statement was generated, the actual base loan terms would be changed. For example, mid-month, the mortgage company would change the interest rate and that interest rate change would never be notified by letter or on the mortgage statement. Then before anything showed up as a change, it might be changed back. Of course, sometimes they just kind of forget that it's fixed rate note and then start reporting that they're collecting a quarter of a percent interest higher. You just can't even explain it. And the testimony I most recently received in that case, the witness from the mortgage company said she couldn't explain it either and that the borrowers couldn't have figured it out based on the mortgage statement. So I really don't know how someone will protect themselves.
1: And, and yet... Judges continue to enter foreclosures with a rubber stamp.
2: You know, I think we've all experienced judges on both sides of the fence, the one that's going to look at things and the one that's fast-tracking or like you're having Florida rocket dockets. Luckily, these people actually refinanced in time, and we've um, sued them instead of waiting for them to sue us uh, for a foreclosure we sued them under Consumer Protection Act claims. And although they have hired a very large law firm and have very deep pockets, we've been very fortunate in that case to have a federal judge that has been, um, uh, well, he denied their dismissal and then he denied their premature effort at summary judgment. So we feel like once we're able to get past this obstruction of any um, real representative testimony, Uh, They're trying to avoid depositions, of course, that will be successful in this case. And we really hope that that paves the way uh, for some regulator or some other consumers to point to how this can happen to someone who's never been late.
1: It happens to a lot of people, and not only to people who have never been late, but um, a lot of the people who themselves think they are late because they're going off of those statements that are wrong and don't realize that the bank was manipulating the interest charges. They don't do the calculations like you're doing. They don't realize that they're not in default. They don't realize that they have probably overpaid. I had exactly that situation, the case I was just talking about, where the judge concluded after looking at some of these entries that go in and out without any explanation that because of the handling of the escrow, it looked like the homeowner was owed money, not the other way around.
2: Oh, absolutely. The reversals are a key place to be looking for missing money. What we've tended to find in this situation is that we have series of reversals, which we're talking about the ins and outs, And where I believe it gets confusing is they go back so many months in time that when they repost the transaction, it doesn't appear in many cases that they post them as of the date they should have been posted. They post them in the computer as of the date they're doing the work. And therefore, if they've gone back three months or four months, the interest immediately looks larger and in arrears because the payments weren't credited. At the time the payment was made, which you and I both know is going to likely be a violation of the Truth in Lending or RESPA Act because that's going to trigger a problem with their um, escrow accounting that's annual and, and it just goes downhill from there. But my analysis in court and my theory in this case is that they're just nickeling and diming their way to their riches. You know, five cents here, $5 there, $50 there. In this case, more than one late charge in one month. Um, I enjoyed that because there's always 30 days or 28 days or 29 days in the month, but you only have 12 due uh, for a year. So I don't know how anybody thinks they're entitled to two late charges in a month. That said, every single mistake they make charges, overcharges every single day thereafter. It's the same lesson we learn when we're taught to save money. Put a little in a time, and overall it's going to compound. And that's how they're getting to these bigger bigger figures of $4,000. And you look at it and you say, where did it come from? Well, it came from a dollar at a time.
1: The odd thing is, for me, well, it's not so odd when you realize what their intent is, that it's kind of like a person who's always late. And they say, well, time means nothing to me. Well, if time meant nothing to them, then sometimes they would be early by accident. And these mistakes always end up to the disadvantage of the borrower. And I've never seen an error that ran to the benefit of a borrower. And I've reviewed thousands of cases
2: well, I tend to agree, and what I'd like to know is where the money's going because sometimes the money disappears an entire payment at a time. And you'll have to wonder, what account are all these missing payments going to and who's getting it? Nobody knows that account is there. There's a master flush fund somewhere because I have been in more than one deposition where I have had bank Employees or a designated representative admit to me, oh, the payment wasn't credited. Where is it? It's not in the suspense account, Neil.
1: Right. Well, I think there's a lot of places where that money goes. But I think that the uh, experience that a lot of judges are having now is they're starting to get frustrated. And like our Fourth District Court of Appeal here in Florida, is not just frustrated, I think they're getting pretty angry about having been duped, in essence, by presumptions that they were making about the whole mortgage process first and then the foreclosure process second. Before we, uh, oh, before I forget, uh, what is a telephone number that people can reach you at?
2: I have a cell phone of 785-840-5259. I am a solo practitioner, so it's very hard for me to uh, return a lot of calls. But I'm pretty interested in seeing if anybody has any of these types of experiences. Um, And although I can't guarantee to return a call, I would look at some documents or some emails that they were sent to me. Uh, particularly related to City Mortgage, if there's a simple interest loan, some disability payments from their disability plans that they had at City, um, like that.
1: Well, if somebody has uh, uh, information that will assist Donna in her further investigation here, they can always send it to me and I'll send it to her. At uh, Neil F. Garfield, don't forget the F for Franklin, Neil F. Garfield at hotmail.com. Um, what have been your experiences with uh, City Mortgage uh, that you can share with us? I know that there are certain things that are confidential, but you told me some things that I found pretty interesting.
2: Well, in a case that I'm working on right now, um, with City, I have an expert that I retain in the case because in that case I am the return a uh, day attorney for the borrower, and the expert has a degree in accounting and has run um, nearly a national size mortgage company licensed in more than half the state, and has sat with me on uh, the board of mortgage professionals. And we cannot come up with no matter whether we're using my mortgage software, his mortgage software, any type of calculator, any type of math, we cannot recreate the accounting. And you know, that really gives me great pause about a company the size of city because I would have hoped that when I wrote the letter and said my clients feel that they were overcharged to this degree, We're expecting you to, you know, get us this information and rectify it, give us a refund, that rather than send back what probably could have been resolved for $1,000 at the time, that they would rather engage attorneys at probably $400 an hour and sit in court year after year. And, you know, I sent you actually a an illustrative case from Judge Manger who talked about in Louisiana, Wells Fargo, who was maybe overcharging these borrowers $24,000 and found it outrageous that they were willing to spend over $300,000 in fees to avoid giving back the $24,000. I feel like we're in that situation with Citi right now. And if cities is as big as we think they are, and this is happening to my clients, Then the comment made in a deposition, not quoted word for word here, but in general part, oh, well, this was a computer glitch that was unique to your clients and self-correcting didn't hold any water for me. So I think that my clients have to advance this and your listeners have to advance these issues so that we can all be safe. In these, in these accountings and such, even when it's not a foreclosure situation.
1: Yeah, I've found with city mortgage, a, a lot of discrepancies uh, uh, and what I would call skullduggery uh, with a, a number of cases where they are using a tactic where they say that, They're the holder, they admit they're not the holder in due course, which means they're not the creditor, but they won't disclose who the creditor is. And that, of course, blocks the homeowner from, A, knowing whether their payments are actually going to the creditor, and B, blocks them from having any discussion with the creditor about modification or other issues with the mortgage, like accounting issues and instead locks the borrower into a pointless discussion with a servicer who is committed to getting as many foreclosures as possible rather than doing the job that you would expect a servicer to do.
2: Oh, absolutely, Neil. Say that again? Absolutely. I have a case that I took on in 2010, where some homeowners were locked out of their home. And when I got involved, they had been told, in this instance, it was Chase, they had been told by Chase, that they would not sell the house while they were working on a modification. And like most of your listeners are aware, that was going on regularly. And it happened from our perspective to my client, me until the spring of 11 to get an order to allow my clients back in their house. And the judge in that case did set aside the default foreclosure that they didn't even know about because they were relying on the servicer. But the point that really hits home with exactly what you said is Chase was the servicer, but Chase didn't own the mortgage. And no matter how many times I tried to modify, I got hoops and jumps and... just back to the point that they were trying to say that my clients didn't live in the home and it was absolutely outrageous finally i found that fannie mae was the owner of the mortgage when we contacted fannie mae they did not even know the clients wanted the modification within 90 days of getting fannie mae the package and the modification and having it elevated, we had a modification. But back to monkey math, my clients, of course, find anything they put in front of them because they want to keep the house. And a modification six years after the foreclosure is you know, extreme. We can't get in accounting. So not only did Chase refuse to give the information to the mortgage owner who was wanting to keep my clients in the house, and my clients were wanting to pay, they were begging to pay, now my clients are overpaying because we have no idea how much they would have owed or should have owed so i'm totally with you in and i've seen that with city also um and they also have their attorneys create in some cases these assignments and send them in my experience to texas to have a mass robo signer over at orion financial he's got to be a vice president for at least 50 companies by now. You know, you just can't put any stock in any affidavit or any document that goes before the court anymore.
1: No, they're basically lying their way through the whole process because they want the foreclosure, and they want it for a variety of reasons. One is that it puts a cap on their liability for having sold the same loan multiple times, and the other is so that they can get... um, uh, I should. I wanted to say get back, but they really didn't pay it. But they want to get to the uh, the proceeds of sale so that they can claim recovery of servicer advances that they never actually paid. And well, for not those, only
2: that, it, Neil. They get almost double the servicing fee in some cases for dealing with the default mortgage. The servicing fees are substantial when you look at them over time. But now that we're in a position that interest rates have dropped so significantly, when you have an insured mortgage, say FHA, for example, they're able to make a claim after they put the borrower through as much as they want to put the borrower through for all the advances you're talking about, whether they did or didn't do property inspection. But they're coming back on the borrower-funded mortgage insurance program and making claims because if you can only get 4% on an interest a day and you have 8 or 9% on an old FHA loan, that's pretty lucrative, Neil.
1: Yep, it is. And it's all about the money for them. And the impact on people is of very little concern. Um, in the 30 seconds or less, can you tell me where you think all this is heading?
2: Oh boy, I don't know if anybody can do that in 30 seconds, Neil, but I'm hopeful that more and more courts and judges will open their eyes. I'm hopeful that we're going to see some more um, actual responsibility. But my fear is with what I'm seeing in the failure to comply with the new rules from 2014 and the games I'm seeing on the new modifications, that I think we're going to need a whole other wave of litigation before they actually straighten up. I think the free pass sent the wrong message, and we are not out of the woods.
1: I think I agree with you. Donna Huffman, thank you for joining me. Uh, A little housekeeping here. I'm taking off for the next two weeks because of trials and hearings. But I'll be back in September. Thank you for joining us. See you then.